0: today on Anchored in the Word.
1: If you're sitting here today and you're having thoughts of killing yourself,
0: it's from the pit of hell.
1: It's not yourself talking to yourself. It's from the pit of hell, trying to persuade you to do yourself in. Because here's the truth about the adversary. He can't take your salvation from you. He can't. But what he can do, if you allow him to do it, is he can have you do something in your life that will ruin your witness I'm
0: Is anchored in the Word, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Coastlands in Eatontown, New Jersey, with our pastor and teacher, Bill Beckelman. Although spiritual warfare and our spiritual enemy, the devil, is real, so is the power we have in Christ to be faithful to God in ministry. When you encounter spiritual difficulty and distraction, where do you direct your attention? In today's message, Pastor Bill will exhort you to focus on Jesus, your advocate, and not on your adversary, the devil. At the close of Pastor Bill's message, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Anchored in the Word. Subscribe to the podcast or simply get in touch with us. Now, here's Pastor Bill in Acts chapter 16 with today's edition of Anchored in the Word.
1: This is where they found themselves. This is where they had gone, and for what reason? For doing nothing wrong other than being obedient to the Lord. They'd been following their advocate. And this is the thing that they knew. It's evidenced by what they did. See, they understood that they, what they had to do in the midst of what, what was happening to them was not just to start complaining about it, not just to, not to call their congressmen and figure out what they should do next, how to, get the, how to do something with the government to try and fix this thing, I'm not saying those are evil things, by the way. If God leads you to do that, then do that. You know, follow the laws of the land, of course. But first, go to the Lord. Look what it says. At midnight, verse 25. You talk about focus, but at midnight. Folks, this is late, all right? Midnight in the prison. Paul and Silas were praying. What I think is interesting about this story, about this, this text here, is that in verse 16, it says... They started to pray. The devil came in. All right? And all this, quite a bit happened in there, right? But man, they got right back to it. It's midnight, and they were back praying again. They weren't going to be thwarted. They weren't going to be dissuaded. They were going to keep their focus. They needed more now to be praying than they did when they were out. I mean, do you realize that is an opportunity to become depressed, to become distressed? I mean, you know, they didn't have a clue maybe what was going to happen tomorrow. You know, was this going to be the last cell they were going to find? What was was going to happen? So, But what were they doing? It says that they were praying and singing, praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So what we've got there is we've got this prayer meeting going on. We've got this worship service going on at midnight in the middle of prison. Paul and Silas have a prison ministry from the inside out. You know, one one of the things I liked about the prison ministry, and it was Inter- very interesting ministry, the prison ministry, um, and and it was these places were really clean, the places that I went. But you know, I never got used to. You walk in, I forget what they call those uh, those doors. There's a name for them, I can't remember. But they're like this. You walk through these. These bars open. You know, you can't see the person. They're watching you from somewhere. And then you get up to the bars and they open like this. You step inside. There's another set in front of you. Then the ones behind you close. And not until those close behind you do the ones in front of you open. Because there's a space in there where the guys, that, if there's any guys on the other side that want to run out, they can't get out because the bars are always closed. You follow me? That's what they do. And so, and I, and I used to, I never got used to that. I mean, even though I knew that I was coming out of there at the end of this thing, I was going to turn around and come through these doors again, but it's just a, an, an eerie feeling. And So the best of prisons aren't a good place to be. This is the worst of a of prison, I'm sure, but in the midst of this, they were keeping their focus. And here they are at midnight. It says they're praying and singing hymns. There is something powerful. And I, and I think you need to be acquainted with this. There's something very powerful about it when, when Christians sing. The Bible says that, He dwells within the praises of his people. There's something very powerful when when, when Christians sing, when people that have the Holy Spirit, when they have a Jesus living in them, when they sing about him. I'm not talking about, you know, singing secular songs. I'm talking about singing songs to God, songs that are focused upon the, the God of the universe, something very powerful. When I first met my wife, no, not when I first met her, when we were first, before we were married, it was early on, we didn't have a long engagement thing, so I don't know exactly the timing of it. But she called me one day, and um, and she's crying on the phone. And she goes, sing to me. I'm like, I've never sang to one before, ever, you know? It's enough to get me to sing, period, but to sing, you know, it was on the phone. And she's crying, and she says, sing to me. And, and she was, I didn't even know what spiritual warfare was at that time, okay? It was early on for me as a Christian. So... I knew some Christian songs and I just started, I started singing, you know, what else, you know, I, I, that was a time when I just needed to get out of myself and I started singing. And this has been a practice that we've done um, from time to time in the midst of battles. And I got to tell you, I don't know that I ever feel like it. It's a sacrifice of praise. I don't really feel like doing it, you know? And and, and so many times she says, let's sing. I'm like, I don't feel like singing. You know, you sing, I'll listen, you know, but we know that it's, Something happens when Christians sing. You know, make a joyful noise. It's not a concert, but it's like the enemy is thwarted in the midst of when Christians sing. It's a weapon somehow. He dwells within the praises of his people. He inhabits, I should say, the praises of his people. So they were praying and they were singing. In other words, they were focused. You know, That's what that is. It's, that's what when we call, you know, we call worship, our singing, we're, we're, we're to be focused. I don't know what you're thinking when we're singing, you know, but I, you know, some of us focus easier than others. And, but for me, I've really got to focus. I get a, I've got to really get my focus on the Lord, you know, when I'm, when I'm doing, when I'm singing, but that's what it does. It, we get, we get focused, praying focuses in. And it says that, look at this, the prisoners were listening. I'm sure that's not what Paul and Silas were doing it for, but in other words, there are people that are it's a witness to other people in certain situations. And this was a powerful one. In the midst of this, when they could have been complaining, when they could have been worrying, they were worship, they were worshiping. And and so they're singing to God. And then as a result, look what it says in verse 26. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. <laughs> now you're in prison, you get an earthquake and the doors fly open and the chains fall off. It reminds me of the story of Peter, right? When Remember when Peter was in prison and was in jail and the angel came to him, him on the side and it says that the chains, he was sleeping and the chains fell off. Remember that? And the door was opened. So we got the same situation. The earthquake didn't happen, but the, you you get what I'm saying? You're thinking, ah, it's escape time. It's it's a sign from God. The doors are open. The chains are gone. Let's get out of here, right? You would think that's what happened to Peter. Isn't that the, what God did this so we could leave? Well, that's not always the case. It's not always that cut and dry. Yeah, the chains came off. Yeah, the doors were open. But let's go on and look at this. And it says, verse 27, the keeper of the prison... Awakening from sleep, that's what an earthquake will do for you. It'll wake you up, believe me. Awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Now I want to say a couple of things. One, the reason that he was in that mindset is because he realized that first when the prisoners were, if they would have escaped, then his life would have been on the line. And he figured, I guess, he'd just save the government the trouble. He would do it himself. But having said that, I want to say this to you. In the midst of this spiritual warfare, and I I want to say this to you, that this idea of killing yourself, I mean, if you're sitting here today and you're having thoughts of killing yourself, it's from the pit of hell. It's not yourself talking to yourself. It's from the pit of hell, trying to persuade you to do yourself in. Because here's the truth about the adversary. He can't take your salvation from you. He can't. But what he can do, if you allow him to do it, is he can have you do something in your life that will ruin your witness. And by the way, it's really hard on your witness when you kill yourself as a Christian. It just is. And I know that I'm not judging anybody that does that. I'm just saying, because I've been there. I obviously, didn't kill myself, but I've thought about it. And, um, you know, it, it comes in different ways. The pain is so, so great that you figure there's a way out of the pain. This is the way out. Just do yourself in and it'll all cease. It'll all stop. That's one way. Or, you know, this world would be better off without me. Or, you know, all these, the devil's really good at this, but when it's all said and done, it's from the pit of hell. And it's a lie. It's not true. See, the devil's trying to sell you the message that there is no hope. There is no hope in your situation, and that is a lie. Oh, I know that maybe you're feeling like there's no hope, but the truth of the matter is as long as there's a Jesus Christ in the universe, and according to what I read about him, he's always existed and he always will exist, so he's always going to be there and available. As long as there's a Jesus Christ, there's always going to be hope. Don't buy that lie that there's no hope. Don't buy that lie that somehow the world will be better off without you, that somehow you have to, you know, and a lot of people have bought that lie. And I believe Satan himself and his demons are involved in every single one of them. He's trying to get people to do themselves in. His power is in the lie. And in this case, he was involved in this. Now, I want you to see what Paul said. He knew, Paul knew what was going on. That he saw the, so now twenty seven verse 27 says, the keeper of the prison, waking up, seeing the door is gone. Of course, you're thinking all the guys left, right? All the, the criminals and everybody is gone. I'm in trouble now. And then verse 28 says, and the voice of reason, and this is the hope, by the way, and people that go through these depths in their life when they're contemplating things they should never do, God is always there. His voice is always there to tell them it's wrong. And I remember that. I had no religion, hardly at well, had some religion when I was contemplating this as a young. But I knew I had enough training to know that that was wrong before God. I, I just knew that somehow, that that was the wrong thing to do. Although it seemed like the easy way out. It seemed like the right way to go. But somehow there was something in me that I knew that that wasn't right before God. And that somehow I was gonna get in trouble if I did something like that. But anyway, he said, Paul said to him, look what Paul said with a loud voice. Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. In other words, what what Paul is saying is what you thought was the truth is not the truth. What you thought you knew was wrong. Nobody's gone. We're all here. You're safe. Your job is safe. See, you, you were believing something that wasn't true. Your feelings were wrong. Everything that you were thinking was wrong. And God used Paul as the voice there. Do yourself no harm. And that's the that's what I want to say to you. If, you, if, if those thoughts are in your mind today, maybe 10 years from now, you'll be having something. Do yourself no harm. The devil wants to want you to do yourself in. Don't buy into that one. Paul says, For we're all here. You were wrong about your assessment. There is hope for you. Then he called for a light, that is the jailer. He called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. I mean, this guy's going through an unbelievable experience. Waking out of bed by an earthquake, comes in, goes from, talking about emotion. He realized the, the doors are unlocked and, and he goes, oh, I'm a goner now. Well, you know, He's having all these thoughts happen. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's not what he thought it was. And now he gets to this point. He goes and gets for a light, and look what happens now. God had brought him right to the the threshold. Verse thirty, and listen what he says: "Sirs, what must I do to be saved?" And you're thinking, "Wow, isn't that the question you want everybody to ask? Isn't that the way that you want them to be?" I want you to note, as you look at this, that it wasn't Paul and Silas's, you know. Understanding of the word at that point that got them to this place, that got this jailer to that place. It wasn't some eloquent speech that they made. It was they were just doing what they were called to do, worshiping God and being in a situation, and they were available to when God was going to do what He did. God used these circumstances in this jailer's life to bring them to that place. And that's what we see with that's what you see when you encounter someone who's seeking after the Lord. And this, of course, is an extreme example. This man was ripe and ready for harvest. He says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now check out verse 31, because it's going to tell you the only way to salvation. There is no other way to salvation than verse 31. And they said, they were equipped, they were ready. He says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And by the way, then he says, you and your household. It didn't mean that when you get saved, automatically your household is going to be saved. But he's telling this, it's for everybody. You know, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe in him, you will be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only advocate in the world where someone can be saved. There aren't many. There aren't many roads to God. There's only one. And he got the goods. How can I be saved? The guy had an open heart and Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. Verse 32 says, then they spoke the word of the Lord to, that, to him, to the jailer, and to all who were in his house. You see, there it is. They had to respond on their own to the gospel. They weren't saved automatically because, because dad was going to get saved. And then it says, and he took them, the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Verse 33, they all got saved. Another mountaintop experience. that started in in the lowest of lows of the valley. Never give up. See, these guys knew something that other people maybe don't know at times. They were exercising something that sometimes we don't exercise, and that was they were focused sometimes we lose our focus, don't we? We do. We get. Here's what happens. This is what happens to me sometimes. I get in this overwhelming circumstance. Sometimes it'll go on for days. You know, this will happen or that'll happen. And, you know, just some things that make life a little harder than normal, right? And, and then pretty soon you start wondering, what did I do wrong? That's one of the first questions I asked. What the, I did something wrong, Lord. You know, I must have done something wrong. And, or, and then I pray through things, and I seek the Lord. And, and then when it seems to go on and on, after a while, you're just, you're just wondering, man, what in the world? Um, but God has a purpose in it. I've got to keep my focus. And we know. See, there's things we don't know, but there's some things we can know. You know, Romans says in chapter 8, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. So we know that going to prison for Paul was working together for good. They could say that when they were there in at the, in midnight. They could say that. They, they didn't deserve to be there because they did something wrong, but they were there and they realized that something good's gonna come from this somehow. Some way, in the deepest, darkest days in the prison, something good can come out of this. And it wasn't long after they... we're, we're, you know, in the midst of singing and everything that these guys came to know Christ, the jailer and his family came to know the Lord. And so they had a, a, now a a flourishing prison ministry. And it says that his family and him and his family were baptized. And now when he had brought them into his house, that is the jailer, he set food before them and he rejoiced having believed in God with all his household. Listen, it doesn't get any better than this. And and when you think of household, I think you think of those in the house, right? Those, your immediate family in the home. I don't know. I think of family when I think of that too, right? I mean, don't we want, you know, the the people that God puts in our lives as family members, the the blood, you know, those those people, we want them to be saved, right? So to me, this was an encouragement for that. We see here that this man was saved. He's he's happy because his household is saved. It doesn't get any better than that, I guess, When you're, when your immediate family comes to know the Lord and so... Just a reminder for us today as we, as we look at these guys, as we look at what God's put before us. One is that we have an adversary. We just need to know that. And he's going about like a roaring lion. He's, he's seeking to, to get you off track. He's seeking to take you off, off your focus. He's seeking to get you off your game. He's getting you off mission. He wants to get you out of God's will. He wants you to start doubting the Lord. He wants to tell you that there's no hope for you. you you've really messed it up this time. Because you've done something now that this God can't forgive you for. I mean, he is the, he's a the liar, you know, use this term spin. He'll put a spin on it on everything. Try and get you to believe things about God that just are not true. Because I want to tell you something. John, 1 John 2 1, my little children, he says, This I write to you that, that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So yeah, you got an adversary, and he's got some power. But you've got an advocate that has all the power. We know from the book of Job that the adversary had no power whatsoever. He had to go to the advocate to ask what he could do to Job. He had to get permission to touch Job in any way. We see that in the first chapter of Job. And we have no reason to think that it's still not like that in heaven, that it's still the same way that that he has to ask God for permission to do what he does. Now, but we are in a battle. But I want you to keep your focus as we end this. I want us to know that we have an advocate. Jesus Christ, the righteous, if you're a Christian, he loves you. And he's working in your corner. He's your champion. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. The promise is, I'm I'm going to get you through this. I'm going to get you. Just keep focused on me. Keep focused on the plan that I have for you. And and that is to be the goal for us because we have an adversary. We have an advocate. And we also have a choice. What we're going to focus on or whom. We're going to focus. Let's not be overly focused on the enemy. We have so much to be thankful for just to be focused in the, on the Lord, on who, on, his, on the plans that he has. And it can take you through the highest of highs, the lowest of lows. If you keep your focus, you're going to have your, you're going to have your hope. Now, there could be people here, I don't know, that don't know Jesus, that, that he hasn't yet taken residence in their lives yet. They haven't invited him to come in. Remember, we said earlier that he doesn't force him his way into anybody's life. You see, you have to open yourself up to him. You are, you are, you are asking him to come into your life and, and asking for forgiveness of your sin and asking for him to come in and set up residence in your heart and, and then to dwell in you, to possess you. That same idea, right, that we're talking about, but a divine possessing have a spirit of divination just totally the opposite a divine spirit that the divine spirit to come in you you understand that but you must do that that is a personal choice that you must exercise
0: we are so glad you joined us today in our continuing verse-by-verse study through the book of acts we pray pastor bill beckelman's message has been an encouragement that you're finding strength in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. For more teachings from Pastor Bill, we invite you to visit our website at anchoredintheword.com. You can listen to and download a wide range of previous broadcasts that Pastor Bill has shared from God's Word. Did you know you can take these teachings with you on the go as well? We've created a mobile app to allow you to have sound doctrine available wherever you and your smart device happen to be. This is a great way to turn the mundane tasks of life into a faith-building, Jesus-edifying time. Search for Calvary Chapel Coastlands in your app store to download. We'd love to hear how Anchored in the Word has touched you personally, so please feel free to give us a call at 732-544-2225. Let us know, too, how we can be lifting you up in prayer. We're honored to be able to do this for our listeners. That number again is 732-544-2225. You can also connect with us on Facebook. Find a link at anchoredintheword.com. That's all we have time for today. From all of us on the production team, we want to say thanks for joining us. May you be moored in sound doctrine and anchored in the word.